Leah Burke is cool. She's the drummer in a band called Emoji. She has awesome personal style. She feels great about her body, even if it doesn't look exactly like what she sees on TV or in magazines. She digs Harry Potter and Gilmore Girls. She's cool, but also relatable. And she's the star of Becky Albertalli's 2018 book, Leah on the Offbeat. Say hello to the third installment of New Reads November. If you're a fan of the movie Love, Simon, or the book that inspired it, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, Leah might sound familiar to you. While not a classic sequel, this book is an extension of the so-called Simonverse, giving us a window into life in high school from Simon's BFF, our title character. Leah's coolness doesn't keep her from hiding some serious secrets. The biggest secret is her bisexuality, but her feelings for her once BFF Abby are a close second. In this episode, we talk about everything from lazy activism and labels to racism and the changing nature of love stories in YA. We also chat about how young adult authors today are learning to effectively balance quote-unquote issues with standard high school narratives. Like Leah, it's all pretty cool. This week, we're lucky enough to have a real-life YA author as a guest. Laura Stampler is currently working on a ghost murder mystery with Disney, which should hopefully be out in 2019. But you can read her first novel right now. Little Black Dresses, Little White Lies is a rom-com about a girl who gets an internship as the teen dating blogger at a magazine in New York City. The catch? She lied about her dating experience, or lack thereof, on her application. How fun does that sound? I'll include a link to check it out in the show notes at www.ssrpodcast.com listen. You can follow Laura on Twitter at Laura Stampler and Instagram at LA Stamp. Laura and I met for the first time to record this episode, but I genuinely felt like I'd known her forever, and I think it shows in our conversation. As always, I can't wait to hear what you think of the show. Share your thoughts in a review on iTunes or on any one of our social media channels. Find SSR at SSR Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and by searching the SSR Podcast on Facebook. It's time to get to know Leah and her friends. Let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hofkosik, freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, Laura. Welcome to SSR. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to have read Leah on the offbeat. I'm just going to say up front that I loved it. Oh my God, me too. I think that Becky Alibiardi, am I saying her name right? How do you pronounce her last name? I'm going to say Albertali, but that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel natural to me. Oh, well, Becky is an amazing writer and I really felt like so many of these moments resonated for how I was in high school and just kind of like the dynamics with parents, with friends. I, I really liked the voice. I felt like it very much read like a teen, which is always really fun. Yeah, I felt like the way she wrote Leah's mm-hmm. inner voice was great, but also the way she wrote the dialogue, like it was that both the inner and the external worlds were working mm-hmm. so well and so relatable. I loved every minute of it. It was awesome. I'd love to talk to you about like why you picked this book. You and I had some back and forth up front about which book we were going to talk about. And ultimately, we landed on this one. And I'm wondering what it was about Leah that made you want to dive in for this episode. Okay, well, first, I'm going to make one of the worst possible admissions that a reader can make. And it's the fact that 
Climate versus the Homo Sapien Agenda had always been on my to read list, but I hadn't read it yet. And I watched the movie before I read the book, <sighs> which I know, I know everyone tuned off now. I've lost everyone. There had tons of hate tweets. It's really bad. I apologize. SSR um, listeners stand down. Everything stand is down. fine. It was a mistake. I apologize. We love Laura anyway. Everybody just be calm. <laughs> but I really liked the movie a lot. But I but I also know because like things exist in totally different medium when something's a book and when something's a movie. Like the author can sometimes have some creative control, but they really exist as different pieces of art. And I really enjoyed the movie. And so I really wanted to read that and also get more of Leah's point of view. And so I don't know. I think our other option, the other one that I was really drawn to was Nina LaCour's book, which I adored and cried throughout. But I don't know. America is really hard right now. There's so much traumatizing things happening every day that sometimes it's nice to just have a little joy and escapism and a love story. And to be perfectly honest, there need to be more LGBTQ plus love stories out there that can also just read like a traditional rom-com. Like you get all the same feeling. Like it's not a niche book. It's not an issues book. It's not a genres book. It's just like a really fun story about teens coming of age. And they just happen to you know, be more fluid with their sexuality, which is something that is so real that I feel like is finally being seen as something that's accepted and really normalized. So I don't know. I just was, I was just all in. I just really wanted to read. I'm so glad that you chose it for all of those reasons. One of the things that I was reading from one of the reviews that I picked up um, before we jumped on our recording today was that one of the really cool things about Leah is that unlike Simon, she had been comfortable with her sexuality for a very long time. I think she referenced at one point that she had known that she was bisexual since she was like 11 or 12 years old. And so Leah on the offbeat is different than Simon's story in that it's less of like a coming out story, a coming of age story, a sort of coming to understanding of your sexuality story. We meet Leah and she already has sort of like understood this about herself and is feeling confident about it, even though she hasn't shared it with everybody. And I really liked that about her. I think it's really interesting because it shows the many different shades of sexuality and also the many different shades of like openness and how much you can keep with your inner self versus how much like you share with other people. I found it really interesting that Leah was so open with her mom from the beginning, but she hadn't really told anyone. Yeah, And so she's this, you know, she's a straight presenting high school girl because so much of us automatically default to, you know, people being heterosexual and Yet, like, her sexuality is such a huge surprise to her friends at the end. You know, like, Simon is shocked, even though he had kind of a similar coming out experience. You know, like, he he also came out to friends, thought that it might be surprising, thought it might not. Everyone figures themselves out at different times. Everyone tells their story at different times. And, like, people don't owe other people any explanation, necessarily. And so I thought it was just, like a really interesting way to say like there isn't one stereotypic story because I feel like that can sometimes be damaging for example I have friends who've had you know eating disorders or things like that and it's like okay well sometimes anorexia is presented in one specific way and this is the only way that eating like that an eating disorder is presented and so like if you personally don't have all of the traditional symptoms like what do you have what is it not at all comparing you know anorexia to sexuality but it's just like there, a lot of the times these kind of topics get, get kind of sectioned off into like issues books or like mm-hmm. issues topics. And it's like, 
there might be just one way to present it or identify it and like live in this stereotypic space because it's easy for readers to understand. But with this, it's like, no, there are so many different shades. There are so many different ways people identify and there's so many different ways people tell their story and there isn't necessarily one label that works for everyone. And I think even between Leah and Abby, and we'll get into this, I'm sure over the course of the conversation, even their stories about how they come to terms with their sexuality are so vastly different. And I had some some feelings about them as Leah did. And I think right there, even within the pages of this one book, we're getting a sense of the vast differences between this experience for people, even people who are within the same friend group and all that. Um, so I thought that was pretty powerful. I think the way that Becky, since we can't pronounce her last name correctly, we'll just call her Becky first name basis. Hey, Becky. Um, Best friends, never Rebecca, always Becky. Albert Holly, probably. Albert Holly. I have no idea. Becky. Becky. I think the way Becky has built this friend group is really interesting and also creates this like kind of cool setting in which Leah, I would say share, but she doesn't share her sexuality right away, sort of hides her sexuality. Like it's an interesting setting in which for her to keep this secret. I also... At first, I had trouble. It had been a long time since I read Simon, and so I was kind of having trouble keeping track of everyone. And I was like, okay, who's dating who and who likes who and, you know, what's the history with each person? And I was just kind of laughing to myself, reflecting on that feeling because it's like that's kind of how high school was. Within your friend group, you're like, okay, who likes who? Who has hooked up with who? How do I make sense of all of this? So right off the bat, that was my impression of the group. And then as we learned more about Leah and kind of the things that she was keeping inside, it was just interesting to like then think back on the dynamics she was having with each person and yeah. and just like pay closer attention to those details. I also think an interesting thing about Leah is it's not just that she was hiding her crush on Abby, like she was hiding so much about herself from people. So this was just kind of another aspect of her personality. You know, she, she hadn't dated anyone before, which, you know, like I didn't really date in high school. I was very, when do these, when do these teens do homework? Like that's another, I, that was more of a thing in right. Simon versus the homo sapien agenda. Cause they're all getting into fantastic schools. Yeah. And I like, my life was literally studying yeah, these kids are going to Haverford and Duke and Morgan was 11th in her class, supposedly, which is like a whole other issue with Morgan and not getting into University of Georgia. Oh. But these kids are going, getting into awesome schools, NYU, Columbia. All they're doing is playing soccer and going to the play. I know, which like I was also a theater kid, but I studied so much. But, you know, it's more fun to read about this. And also, I guess, end of senior year, you're already in places. There's not much you can do to fuck it up. You yeah, know? true. I mean... Don't plagiarize. Don't, like, set the school on fire. You'll be okay. Right. Don't commit Uh, any crimes. Don't commit crimes. I mean, there are definitely ways you can ruin your life. So, like, stay on the path. But, you know. Yeah, exactly. Don't do exactly as these kids have done. Maybe do a little bit more homework. But, like, this path of self-discovery that they're on is probably good. So, like, that's a good thing to model for sure. For sure. Basically, she keeps a lot of stuff on the inside. And I... Like, and in Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, like, she didn't tell anyone she had taught herself how to play drums. Like, she kept all of that a secret as well, like, these different facets of her personality until she feels like she has it kind of figured out. Her best friends didn't know she was part of a band until it's been perfected and they're playing on stage at the talent show. Maybe she can't admit her her feelings towards Abby and kind of, like, making it a real thing until she can kind of see the end result already. And so that's an interesting aspect of her character. I don't know. I'd be interested to see her work through as she goes on to college. 
Well, and she doesn't share a lot about her life at home either. There's this implication that like she doesn't invite people over very much. Her mom is really young. Um, there's reference to them being like the the Gilmores of 2018. Um, I think her mom was 38 and Leah's 17. So there's obviously a very narrow age gap. Her mom has to work a lot to make ends meet. And we kind of get a sense that the house is messy and like a little bit rough around the edges. And Simon is the only one that we ever see actually go to her house except Garrett, who picks her up for the prom. And even Simon is like, I haven't been here in a long time. So I think she keeps a lot of that stuff quiet as well. And then she has, you know, there's big stuff for her going on at home. Her mom's dating. She has this hilarious boyfriend, Wells, who's obsessed with Daughtry, one of my favorite details of the book. And she's not talking about that with friends. As a teenager who had a mom who was dating, like, that was something I talked to my friends about. Like, that was an interesting kind of weird thing that was going on for me. And she doesn't share it with her friends. Exactly. And she very easily cuts herself off from her friends. Very easily. We saw that in the last book. And now, I mean, there is good reason to cut out Morgan. I mean, she was racist. Like, absolutely. I'm happy that that was addressed. It was very interesting how, like, that kind of came around because I think one thing that happens in both of these books is, like, kids do really fucked up shit. Martin outing Simon in the last one is really horrifying. It is an act of violence, I think, you know. And Morgan kind of having those assumptions that Abby only got into um, the school she wanted to get into because she's black. That's also really horrifying, but the characters also kind of have some sort of redemption in the end, or if not a redemption, kind of they're turned into, like they're humans, you know, and it's discussed and things aren't necessarily condoned, but you get kind of an understanding of where they're coming from. And so I think it's, I don't know, how did you think that that stuff was addressed in this? I thought that one of the most interesting elements of the whole Morgan situation, and for those who need a gentle reminder, Morgan has this like very intense family history with the University of Georgia. It seems like her entire family has gone there. She's hell-bent on going herself. Leah is going there, mostly because it's the only place she can afford to go. Abby's going there. They live in Georgia. Going there is a huge deal. And we find out that Morgan did not get in. And she's just like moping around a lot about it for a long time until she sort of pulls Leah aside and makes a comment about the fact that, well, I am 11th in the class, but I'm also white. And there's this like sort of hint, hint about the fact that Abby, their other friend, is black. And um, Morgan is like, well, I'm just saying others aren't 11th in their class. And so she's clearly, clearly pointing out the fact that she feels like the only reason she didn't get into Georgia is because of her race, um, which is so problematic. And I will say that one of the things that I really appreciated about this book is that Becky tackles lots of different issues simultaneously. Like it's not just a book about Leah being bisexual and like figuring that out. It's also a book about this really disgusting question of racism at their high school. It's also a question about like how it feels to say goodbye to your friends. Like there's an element of like drinking involved with Nick. Like there's all of these other issues being handled. And I really appreciated that. What I thought was most interesting about the story with Morgan, who had been one of Leah's best friends for a really long time, was what she says at the end, because as you said, there is an element of redemption. We find out that Morgan has apologized to Abby for what she said. And um, at the prom, she says something to Leah along the lines of, like, I call myself an ally, but then the second it gets personal, it all flies out the window. And I think that that's really interesting in 2018, because... 
Look, there are so many kids out there who are doing legitimate activism. I mean, the Parkland students are straight up heroes. Like there's so much amazing stuff happening among teenagers right now. Literally the only thing that is giving me hope for the world. It's the only thing. Their generation is taking over and they just understand the world and have such a strong drive and so, so much activism in their core that I'm like, okay, things, things are going to be really bad for a while, but like eventually it will be okay. Totally. <laughs> but I also think there's the sense of like, and something I worry about is this idea that like activism and being an ally can be trendy sometimes. Like mm-hmm. there are kids that are genuinely doing the work and understanding what they're fighting for and understanding what needs to happen to really affect change. But I also think there's this awesome, just like activist excitement happening across the country right now. And I would think if you are a kid in high school, it's easy to get caught up in that without necessarily thinking through the responsibility that it puts on you to actually like be a good person and do the things that you are talking about doing. And so I thought it was just like an interesting commentary. And I thought Morgan was an interesting character because it's like, she hangs out with these friends that seem pretty progressive. They have like a lot of progressive ideas. She has friends that are gay. She has friends that are bisexual. They're all involved with theater. Like they're kind of this like funky liberal group. But as soon as she herself is wrong. Right. And I I think that that's interesting because it's like, I'm sure there are so many kids out there who feel like they get it and they feel like they're doing all the right things and they feel like they're making a difference. But if you're not really understanding like what's at stake, it's easy to fuck things up and to like say something really wrong. Exactly. The other thing is people are allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something that that's really hard, you know, growing up online, tweets can be forever, Ugh. Instagrams can be forever, and people fuck up. That is in no way excusing what Morgan says. And I think it is like, she's clearly taking like an easy stereotypic and quite honestly, very racist, like, out to, to make herself feel better, to make herself feel like justified for the world being unfair, not, you know, just not making the cut. But like, I think it's interesting addressing the fact that like, People who aren't necessarily like, who aren't Nazis, who aren't members of the KKK can still be racist, can Mm -hmm. still do racist things. Or people who to their core aren't racists, perhaps, can still be guilty of acts of racism. It's like when people say like, oh, I can't be homophobic because I have a gay friend. And yet you used a gay slur. People need to be able to address the fact that they can still be, I guess, generally good progressive people, but still be really problematic in a lot of their thinking. And I think once people start understanding where their flaws are, like that's how you progress. There is no perfect ending to Morgan's story. And even in the end, like Leah is, Leah calls her, I think like my maybe racist friend, Yeah, which I really liked. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like a note of, oh, this person isn't who I thought they were. This person maybe can't be trusted fully, but also having the hope that like, she's gonna change. And she's going to be educated because like we live in a really scary world right now. And I really hope that I don't know where I feel on this, but I really do hope that people can change for better and be educated because I think that's like one of the only hopes we have. But I also don't think that it means that just by saying sorry, you can be exonerated of guilt. Like you need to do the work. Right. And it's like Morgan's taken the first step by both apologizing to Abby directly, which honestly, a lot of 17 year olds probably wouldn't have done. Like Mm -hmm. I can see kids that I grew up with maybe apologizing to like that person's best friend and then like hoping it would get back to Abby. Um, So I think the fact that Morgan apologized to her directly and then is able to make this statement to Leah about like, 
yeah, I thought that I understood this. I thought that I was a good ally for people, but clearly I fucked it up. Mm -hmm. I I really appreciated that. I also think that the way that the whole storyline about this was handled was really great because Leah essentially was like, I'm done. I'm never speaking to Morgan again. She was ready to kind of throw away like the whole group because before she was hanging out with Abby again, she, Morgan, and Anna were like besties for the resties and like the girl gang. And I think the fact that she was like, I'm done. I have no interest in hanging out with these people anymore is so reflective of how it feels to be a teenager. It's like things are either right or wrong. They're either black or white. In the same way that people can make mistakes and learn from them, I think somebody like Leah can begin to understand that sometimes things do exist in shades of gray. And like, you can't always just kick somebody out of your life because of one thing that they said that you didn't agree with. It takes time sometimes to let things settle out. And it's very easy, I think, when you're young to just be like, no, I'm dropping you. It's right. It's wrong. It's black. It's white. So I think that's a good lesson too. I mean, I also think it says something. I kind of wish there had been more moments of reflection because I think, especially since Leah presents as someone who so easily feels left out, who so easily feels like the world is going on without her and that she doesn't have a place. Sometimes I was missing that that yearning for friendships that she'd had. Like, I wish there'd been kind of some snippets to see, like, what this friendship had meant for her. You know, I, I think you can cut people out, but also in your head sometimes you're going to go back and reflect and miss. It was dropped almost too easily, you know? Like, there wasn't, there weren't those moments of remembering or those moments of kind of like, oh, I wish I could tell this person this, but I can't. It's like, I've had friend breakups before, and even though you know it's for the best, whether you did it, whether they did it, like, they're still like, well, who am I going to text all the time? Like, I was used to texting this person this, so what am I going to do now? Especially since she felt like so many of her other friendships were in flux, I wish that that had been explored a little more. Of course, like, I could have done with, like, a 5,000-page book, and, like, that probably wouldn't work. But, like, I I would have loved to, like, see a little bit more, a little bit more of that. Just, like, how in the beginning, she was really, really, really hurt that Simon didn't come out to her. Like, very hurt. And it kind of seemed a little bit glossed over here. Like, I wanted more... This sounds horrible. I wanted like kind of more of the pain and more of that, you know? Okay. You wanted her to be a little bit angstier about the yeah. friendship aspect. Yeah. Just like a little bit. And in the, so in the movie, like, and I really liked that in the book, this wasn't the case, but in the movie, like some of her angst is like, she had an unrequited lo- like crush on Simon. And that is why, like, she was so hurt by the fact he didn't come out to her and, or no, or by the fact, you know, she just felt It was both in terms of friendship and it was because of, like, a crush. Here, she's had a crush on everybody. And it's not about that. It's about, like, the betrayal of friendship. And that is something that rings so much truer to me than the betrayal of, like, a crush or love, at least from how I was in high school. Like, I had crushes on people. And, like, yes, like, I'd make out with people or, like, go to prom with someone. But at the end of the day, a lot of them kind of, they faded. Mm. And it's my friends that were my most important relationships. And even, you know as an adult, like your friendships and those relationships are the ones that I think like are the most important in your life. And the betrayal can feel so much worse because like, these are your people. I really appreciated that in this book, it's clear. It's like, she feels betrayed when there's like a loss in like friendship. And when there's that kind of thing, or at least that's how I was interpreting it in the beginning. Then she had a crush on Abby. So then my theory kind of went out the window. So I don't really know where I stand on that anymore. I don't know. I got the sense, and maybe this is just because obviously like we read from our own experiences. And so 
the way I read it was that like she had this really cool bond going with her mom and like that was the primary female friendship that she needed and so like in high school I really struggled to form girl friendships my best friends were all guys which at the time I was like really proud of which is a conversation for another day because now (laughs) I live and die by my female friendships but um I was really close with my mom and it was just my mom and I most of the time I spent weekends with my dad but my mom and I were like us against the world she was my person and so I had those female friendships but I never let them get super close because I didn't feel like I needed them and I like Leah was honestly kind of quick to drop people and to let them back in eventually but like we had this group of girls and guys and you know everybody was constantly on and off with each other and I think I tended to like shut down the girls pretty quickly just because I didn't feel like I had a lot of time for the bullshit that went on in high school you know what this brings up a really good point on writing one of the most the weirdest best scariest part about you know writing a book is like you have this relationship with your character you have this relationship with your story you you know in your core like how how some of them are and like yes you're you're creating them but then it becomes this entirely different thing once you give it to a reader Mm -hmm. like it's not yours anymore it is and it isn't. Other people can have a totally different relationship with your book. They can have a totally different read on your characters. And that's kind of, it's just as valid as yours, mm-hmm. as the writer. So yeah, I really love what you're saying about how like we bring our own personal experiences, our traumas, our our joys, like to every single thing we read. That's what makes reading so exciting. And like with me in high school, like I was so like girl friendships and like I had one bad friend breakup that lasted like three days over the phone and like bad metaphors were used about how like hearts are like a pie and you can only give your slices to so many people and I'm like that's not true I can have more like it was just like oh my gosh so with me I'm like okay but like where's that longing because I still miss that friend after we had our breakup but I was like I can't do this for my own sanity or friendships are so complicated love is so complicated high school is so complicated and that's what makes YA so great because you're at your highest highs and lowest lows and you don't know what else is out there So everything is felt so much more intensely. And I think especially at this particular time, like the last few months of senior year of high school are like at that, like it's the most intense time. There's so many feelings. You feel all of the feelings. You're so excited. You can't wait to get the hell out of wherever you live. Yet you have these moments where you're like, how am I going to live without my friends and my teachers and my mom? And, you know, it's like the prom is the biggest thing that's ever happened. And then what you're going to wear to graduation is the biggest thing that ever happened. And all these other events, like we had, you know, the senior spring fling and the field day and like all the activities seemed like everything. And it's just everything is so heightened. And so I love YA books that are set during that part of high school specifically. Yeah, it's like who you are and also who you're going to be because there's this kind of thought that like you can become anyone. And it's not always necessarily true. You're still holding on to yourself. But like there's that idea of like endless possibilities, which is exciting and terrifying at the same time. It's so exciting for Leah because she is just like such a cool creative person. And she I think when they take this road trip to University of Georgia, one of my favorite parts, other than like all of the things we got into with Abby, which I think we need to start talking about. But for sure. The way that Leah was processing everything around her, like as they were driving in and looking at the restaurants and the stores and like she was so excited about what was ahead of her and those small freedoms of like the person whose apartment they were staying in was going to give them a parking permit. And she was like, what? Really? That's amazing. Just the idea that somebody would give you a parking permit so that you can then come and go as you please 
when you're a senior in high school, that seems like beyond imagination. Just that little taste of freedom is everything. And also like she so seamlessly found her space with that, with the group of musicians at the party that they went to. And it's like, she was so shocked when Simon told her that Abby was intimidated by her, that she was like this cool girl in the band and that people could see her that way. Because even though she was confident, she didn't necessarily see that in herself. And so it was really nice to kind of have that outside affirmation that it's like, no, like this is a person who like walks in a room and people want to be around her and we can so be our own hardest critics. But like in that scene, when she's like playing the drums and everyone's saying like, wow, and they're like really into it. They want her to be a part of the band. They like see her value. It's like, that is an external validation of like so much of the things that you dislike about yourself are only things that you see and that other people don't. And I like really love that scene a lot. And I think Abby's response to all of that was really beautiful. Like, I think the cool thing about Abby was that she really valued Leah. Like, she valued her talents and her creativity in a way that Leah, like, couldn't see. Abby was encouraging her to try to sell her art, and she was really pushing her to join the band. And while there are moments of that that read a little bit condescending and, like, maybe she was coming on a little too strong, Mm -hmm. I think the root of that was that Abby really understood all that Leah was, like, on the inside and wanted to help her bring that out. And as much as I had mixed feelings about Abby, I enjoyed that about her. Like, let's get into Abby. Let's do it. Let's do it. It really made me want to reread, like, I... I had just gone from Simon versus the Homo Sapien agenda to Leanne the Offbeat, but it made me want to go back and like search for clues and like, and see like, okay, but like, where are the signs that they had a crush on each other? Where are the signs that like, this is what happened? Um, Well, like listeners, here's the setup. So basically at the beginning of the book, Abby and Nick, who are two of the people in Leah and Simon's friend group are like madly in love with each other. They're the annoying couple that's always together. And Leah is just constantly rolling her eyes at them. And at first you think it's just because like she's annoyed by their PDA or something. That's what I was picking up. Later on, we find out that a year ago, Leah had sort of removed herself from her friendship with Abby because she was starting to have feelings for her. They had had some encounter at a sleepover where um, they'd rolled like a little too close to each other and Leah had gotten really excited about that. And she was just feeling like very wistful. Like it was this very sweet, like longing for Abby and out of nowhere, Abby and Nick break up and Leah senses this opening to potentially at least get to know Abby better again. And they go on a road trip to university of Georgia where they're both going to school and things get weird is is really how I'm going to open it up. Things get weird in the car. Uh, There's some weird, there's like some flirting going on, which understandably is really hard for Leah to read. I think one of her big questions is like how much of this is performative and how much of this is that quote unquote, like experimentation to straight girls kissing, like, oh, everyone has that college experience. And how much of this is actually like real? Like how much of this is like real life? And like earlier in the book there, I think at a party or there's somewhere and um, this guy Garrett who has a major crush on Leah who I never I, I can never get a good read on Garrett. I, I like, liked him. I, I was like, just gonna say one of the things that I really liked about this book was that like as much as I was rooting for Leah to have the happy ending that she wanted which was to end up with Abby it was cool that I could kind of root for Garrett a little bit too like he was kind of a dope but he was sweet and he was really trying so hard and we all went to high school with guys like that and I, for the most part I mean he had his moments but he was generally like really respectful of her and he apologized when he crossed lines yeah he understood I think he understood what was right and wrong within the confines of the 
their relationship and he made real effort. And so I thought the author did a really good job of like, as a reader, putting you in a position of like, I don't really know who to root for because I think either way, Leah has, has some good options here. Exactly. I know. And it's just like a question of who your heart's with. And her heart was clearly with Abby, but you know, Abby is acting flirtatious towards Leah in front of Garrett. And that can also seem kind of performative. It just seems like a very confusing time in Leah's life and, and clearly in Abby's too, because she's trying to figure out her shit as well. And I don't know, she's somewhere on the spectrum and trying to figure out like, what is her label? What is her, that's actually something I'd like to talk about labels. Yeah. Cause that was something that actually bothered me a little bit and that I wish had been reflected on further, just like some of the other problematic parts had been like public outings, instances of racism, instances of stereotypic like assumptions. When they're having a conversation um, about what they are, if they have feelings for each other, um, Abby says that she is low-key bi and Leah says that's not a thing. You're bi or you're not. First of all, let's just say this is all after they've gone on this road trip and then they come back and Abby's like, I'm going to need to talk to you. I need to talk to you at some point after school. They haven't been talking for a few days because Leah was so weirded out by what happened on their trip. They yeah. had kissed. Leah had never been kissed before. And so she's feeling really awkward about the fact that like Abby didn't kiss her because she really had feelings. She was like, we're good at this for two straight girls. It was just like a weird interaction. It's like a thing to check off the bucket list as opposed to a life event. It's like, oh, this is so fun and crazy. It's a story as opposed to this is a moment that we're sharing as human beings. Right. So college and it totally cheapens Leah's first kiss. So they have this conversation where Abby's like, oh, guess what? I came out this weekend, which for me, like I felt, I felt for Leah in that moment because Leah hasn't really like owned a coming out story of her own. Like her mom knows that she's bi, but she's never gone to a friend who's been like, guess what? I came out this weekend. And I think in that moment, maybe she felt like something had been taken from her a little bit, like Abby wasn't taking it as seriously. And so Leah challenges her. And as you said, Abby tells her she's low-key bi. And Leah goes, seriously, low-key bi, otherwise known as what? You're bi, but you don't want to admit it. I'm not saying you have to march in a pride parade. You don't have to come out. But God, at least admit it to yourself or don't. I don't care. And then she goes on to say, you know what? You want to be low-key bi? Good for you. Have a blast. But if you're not all in, leave me the fuck out of it. Don't you dare come I'm knocking on my door with your post-breakup identity crisis. You took my first kiss, Abby. You stole it. I'm kind of coming at that from, I don't know. I feel like labels are so hard. I get how Leah is feeling this, but I also don't think it's fair to Abby's journey because she's figuring things out too. And yes, there is an aspect of like, it, it sounds very cavalier, like low-key buy, but it's also like she is trying to process this and it's so hard to know what you are and what does like a label like say like some people don't believe bisexuality even exists you know some people are saying like oh no that's just you know a step before you're ready to admit that you are gay or it's like a dalliance like there are just so many different layers to things that I think that like questioning someone's questioning I I don't know I just it just didn't sit right with me and I wish there had been a little bit more resolution because I don't think that you do necessarily have to come out as saying like, I am this thing. I am bisexual. Cause you might, cause there's such, I don't know, there's such a larger like lexicon around it that like, I feel like as adults, people are trying to figure out like the right words and the right language. And so as teenagers who are just trying to figure themselves out and what they want, like 
there should be more kindness around it, you know, and more understanding that it's a journey. I get that this is Leah's story. I get that her moment feels cheapened, but I wish that they'd come back to that just like other moments had been come back to for further exploration. I think that's fair, especially given the fact that they have this blowout and then the next time we see Abby, it's the prom and they're having this magical moment, which was beautiful. But I would agree with you where it was like it would have been nice to tie up the loose ends on that intense like label conversation, regardless of which side of it you're coming down on. Like that's Mm -hmm. a big matter to discuss. And I think both of them should have come to a better understanding of that at some point. I mean, maybe they will in the future. They're probably going to go to college and like have all these intense conversations about sexuality and learn so much about themselves. And hopefully they'll sort all of that out down the road, but it would have been nice for us to see some of that. Exactly. I mean, it's such a personal thing. And like some people might, you know, just identify as queer as like, I don't know, like things are on a spectrum. I don't know. I'm also saying this as like, I am a heterosexual female. And although I am like kind of active in like the LGBTQ plus community, like this isn't my story. This isn't my place to preach at all. I just know that for adult friends of mine who have kind of come to terms with their sexuality, literally when they're 30, like, and trying to figure out, you know, oh, what am I? What do I want? What relationship do I want? What do I want to experiment with? What do I want from this life in terms of love, in terms of friendship, et cetera? Like it can be so hard as someone who's paying for their own health insurance, who pays taxes. As a teenager, I imagine it's even more challenging. But that's also why I'm really happy that this book exists and books like this exist, just because like, I feel like people I know now are only kind of understanding all the options that are open to them. And it's just really great that that's kind of becoming an understanding younger and younger, where it's like, if you don't fit in a box, that's okay, because maybe the boxes shouldn't exist at all. This book really does do a great job of demonstrating like all of the options that are open to you in life. And this would have blown my mind as a high schooler. I mean, I grew up in a pretty conservative suburb. I was never like in my head a super conservative person, but I just, you're only exposed to what you're exposed to. And I think at that point, like maybe there were one or two kids in my school who were out as gay and that was like a huge thing, you know, and they certainly weren't dating anyone. And it was like more for conversation than anything else. Unfortunately, I don't think they were actually able to like experience relationships with other people, which is so sad. So a book like this would have been like such an education for me as a kid. Exactly. And I mean, I went to school in Los Angeles, which is like super progressive and everyone was so, you know, accepting and there were marches and there was this, that and the other, like it was a very progressive space. But when I think about it, like almost no one was out in my high school and in my college, like I went to a college that had a huge LGBTQ plus community, but I know so many people who didn't come out until, you know, they were in their twenties. Things can be so confusing. And like, I don't know, I think there's that moment and Simon has that moment in this book. Like he, he is gay. Like he knows what it's like, you know, to hide something or to, to kind of like curve against expectations. And he's still so surprised. There's so many levels of like surprise and I don't know where that thought is going, but I just like found it really interesting and like it made me really happy. I think it's the fact that the LGBTQ plus community is not like necessarily always on the same page. Just because you also identify that way doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be able to like spot somebody else who identifies that way. Like Simon, just like anybody else is going to be surprised and Abby and Leah are having different experiences. Abby has a gay aunt or one gay 
aunt and one bisexual aunt, and there's that kind of diversity in her family. And Simon's dad is making jokes on college tours about, like, can you please elaborate on the gay community here? Like, everybody's kind of figuring it out. Everybody's at a different point in their journey, whether they are part of the LGBTQ plus community or just trying to support that community. And I think that was what was really beautiful about it is that no matter who you are, no matter what community you're in, nobody's the same. And everybody is just like figuring it out as they go. The squeal inducing moments are squeal inducing, no matter like who they're coming from, like the kisses and like the confessions of love. It's the same, no matter who you're reading it about. One thing I'd actually really love to talk about that I was kind of thinking about in, in the beginning half of this book is like one reason why I was really excited to read this was because Leah kind of feels like an outsider. She feels like an outsider in her own group of friends. She questions her value. And I think that's something really relatable. It's something I wondered in my group of friends. It's something, you know, you're like, am I an intrinsic part of this group? Am I a side character? Mm-hmm. Which she kind of was in, in the first book, in, in Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. Like she was kind of, like she would kind of disappear a little bit and Simon loved her, but you know, it it made sense that she was feeling like she was brushed aside. And so I was really excited to read like this quote unquote side character's story, like now that she gets to be her own leading lady. But in the beginning, I felt like a lot of the plot had to still do with other people's story. And I didn't want her to be a side character in the story where she is, a star, if that makes sense. You know, like I adored every second of Bram's promposal. Like I was dying. Like it was, and also like Simon is so familiar and the relationship is so like amazing and like it's comforting to readers. But at the same time, I was like, okay, but I wanted more Leah in the beginning. One of the big questions I had up front was like, we open in this scene with Leah rehearsing with her band. And I thought that was so cool. Like the dynamics of her and her bandmates and they were like just shooting the shit basically and telling hilarious jokes and making jokes about don't stop believing and like the musical merits of journey and all these things. And then we don't really get the band at all. And I was like, this is such a cool story. A girl in a band, she's a drummer. You don't get to read about that very much. The title is Leah on the offbeat. I'm thinking we're going to get so much about her as a drummer and interacting with her bandmates. And And just like passion. I wanted something she's passionate about. And clearly she is passionate about this, even if it's hard for her to admit those things. Yeah. I felt that way too. I wanted to get back to that. And I also, I think if we'd seen her more with the band, maybe we would have had a better sense of those friendships that you were talking about earlier, how like we wanted to get more of what was really at stake when she lost those girl friendships. And if we'd had a little bit more insight into her life with them, like playing music and hanging out, maybe it would have been easier to figure that out. I don't know. I agree. I was left wondering like why we didn't get more scenes of her in her element or even like I wanted more scenes of her with her mom. Yes. Oh my God. I wanted so much more with her and her mom. The dressing room argument was so brilliant. I mean, how many dressing room arguments did I have with my mother? Mom, I know you're listening. I'm so sorry. I'm, like, so sorry for every dressing room experience I had with my mom. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I have, like, a distinct memory of, you know, when there are moments where, like, oh, I guess I am an asshole. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a distinct memory. Like, my mom and I were having a fight, and she just didn't like a dress that I liked, and I took it so personally. She, I think she thought it was a little too tight, and I think it was too tight, but then I immediately read that as, like, what are you saying about my body? Like, well, what are you saying? Well, what do you want me to wear? Like a plastic bag. And like, and I'm entitled to, I know my whatevers, but like, I was such an asshole and a woman came up to her after. And she's like, just so you know, 
your daughter is being completely unreasonable and this will get better. And I was like so mad, but I was also like, uh oh. It like had that moment, like a realization, like that zoom out moment where like, oh, am I being completely unreasonable and just yelling because I'm in a mood? That dressing room scene was perfect for me. Yeah. I mean, my mom and I didn't fight very much, but if we did, it was always about shopping. And similarly, it was always like, are you making a comment about my body? Or it would be like, I wanted to get something that one of my friends had worn and I tried it on and my mom would be like, "Mm, I'm like... I don't know, like, that just doesn't seem, like, maybe that's, like, a little trashy. And I'd be like, are you saying my friends are trashy? Mom, like, what are you trying to say about my friends? Sorry, I don't have old lady taste. Sorry, like, I don't have, I didn't call her an old lady. But, you know, like, yeah. like I'm, I trust my taste better than I trust your taste. I'm not going to wear neutrals. Now uh, all yeah. I wear is neutrals. Right, exactly. And, like, Girl, such I'm a neutral. brilliant place to have the mom fight scene. Of course, of course that's where you have the mom fight scene. But I wanted more of that. I wanted more of the relationship with her mom and her boyfriend, Wells, who, as I said, again, like reading from my lens as somebody whose mom was dating when I was in high school, I would have loved to read more about that because that's a storyline you don't get that often, I think, with this kind of like a fresh perspective and strong voice. I also really loved the scene, like another comment that like was similar to a conversation I had with my mom is like, they're in the car and she's like, you wouldn't talk to your friends like that. Mm-hmm. Would You would never even imagine talking to your friends like that. And literally my mom has said the exact same thing when I was being an asshole, like 16 year old. And it's true, but it's because you say the meanest things to the people you love the most and the people you feel safest with. Yeah, I highlighted that line, too, as something that was very familiar to me. Just generally, like, Becky, you're great. I don't know. She must either remember her own adolescence really well and then be able to pair that with just this, like, amazingly sharp voice. It's just she pulls it off so perfectly. She must remember all these very distinct points of being a high schooler because it's all, like— I just related to so much of it. And my experience was very different than Leah's. And I think that's the beauty of it is like, you think, well, I was a straight girl in high school. You know, I wasn't dealing with any of these things. But at the same time, so much of my experience outside of my sexuality and my like dating life is so much like Leah's. Like I was like a scrawny straight girl in high school, but I was still dealing with the same matters that she is in this book. And I think that's what we're realizing in YA now is that like, yeah, there's there's a storyline here about Leah is sexuality and her hopefully being able to to have a happy ending with the girl that she cares about the most but like it's also just a high school story that every high schooler who's ever walked the face of the earth can understand and I think that's the beauty of like new YA is that there's these other major storylines but the issues don't necessarily have to overtake the experience of being a teenager exactly like we all understand what this is we all understand what this means we all understand like first kisses and first heartbreaks and disappointment and, you know, not feeling like you're enough. I also really enjoyed kind of like the talks about like where they're going to college and like how that may affect friendships and Mm -hmm. how that may affect relationships. And like, I don't know, there was also kind of like a little bit of not a sadness, but, you know, as people are going off to college, like things really do change. Like your friends are your friends forever, but like relationships do change and people do break up. Like at the end of the day, like you maybe end up with one person, you know, you're having breakups until you don't. And so just kind of like seeing this moment in time and its reality and knowing that it might be a little bit fleeting, like reading it as an adult. I don't know. There was something really like poignant and beautiful about it, you know? 
Yeah, grappling with the questions of like, well, if we go to different colleges, does that mean that we can't stay together anymore? Like very grown-up kinds of questions that people are still dealing with in their like 20s, 30s, 40s. Like what happens if I move for a job? And the other question that I loved was when Abby was grappling with the aftermath of breaking up with Nick and the feeling she was having where she was like, I'm not really that sad. I just kind of feel relieved. And Leah kind of asking like, well, what happened? Like, were you mad at him? Did you have a fight? And she was like, I don't really have a reason. I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And is that okay? Is that allowed? And I so had that experience in high school, like my first boyfriend, we just got to a point and I was like, I don't like you. I don't like you. And then you do feel when you're in high school, like I have to come up with a reason. And I'm sure I did. Like, I don't know what the reason was, but I think it was like the first and only time I've ever broken up with somebody. That's a sad admission to make on my podcast, but <laughs> it's true. And um, I came much later when I was breaking up with people before. I'm like, wait, what are you, what? <laughs> I can do this. Um, yeah. But I just remember feeling like, should I feel bad that I just don't want to be dating you anymore? And that's, these are really complicated questions that aren't addressed in the kinds of like old school titles that we usually read on this show. And I really enjoy those kinds of like issues being grappled with. And also there were definitely hints of like Nick's potential drinking problem. Yeah. Like it was stated a lot. And I think that one of the really interesting parts of like this series and this world that's been created is like, we know we don't know the full story. We are seeing this story through one person's eyes. We're all a little bit self-absorbed. We see each other through our own lenses. I'm really interested to see the subplots and the stories that we're not getting yet. And I'm, I would be very interested to see like, okay, so what is Nick's story here? Which character would you most be interested in reading the next book about? Oh God, that's hard. I can say mine first, if it helps you. Say yours. So I would say Morgan, because especially if it were going to be a direct sequel Mm -hmm. and we were going to like start at the prom and then go on for the next few months, I want to know how Morgan deals with college. And I want to find out, as we were talking about before, like if she's learning and growing at all, or if, you know, I want to find out like, what's her family like? What kind of environment is she a product of? How is she absorbing like new influences? Like how is she trying to maybe move past some of the potentially racist tendencies that she was raised with? And I also, I, I just think that we didn't really learn much about her except for that one comment that she made. And so I'm curious to find out like what kind of a person was best friends with Leah before all of this happened. Also Bram, because I think Bram I love Bram. And also I just want more side. Like, they're just so lovable. Yeah. They're just so, I just, uh, love. I hope I wasn't like Taylor. She's kind of obnoxious, but I, oh, I also didn't love that Taylor and Nick got together at the end. I thought that was too easy. I thought that was a little bit too much of a bow, but whatever. They, they're together for now. I think Nick could be really interesting. I also, I actually think I'd be interested in Martin's story. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like in senior year. I I don't know. I mean, I think that what he did was horrible. Yeah. Like, I think he should have been expelled. It's just awful. I would just be interested in, like, getting inside his head for a little bit and seeing, like, what his life is like and, like, mm-hmm. what's going on there and, like, how he moved past it. Because it, in a way, like, I don't know, when we were talking about Morgan, she apologized to Abby. Abby kind of sort of lets it go. Leah's more hesitant, but, you know what can you do? And with Martin, you know, Simon is on speaking terms with him, even though most of his friends are not on speaking terms with Martin. And I like probably will not be on speaking terms with Martin because I'd be like, cause I think he's a little bit of a monster, but it's interesting that these, that the people who were hurt by them the most 
we're kind of able to move on and forge a new relationship with them. And I don't know if it's for their own self-protection. I don't know if it's, I don't know, to move on. But like, I think there's something there. I don't know if I'd like reading a book from Martin's perspective, but maybe it's like a couple chapters. Yeah. You know? Well, it'll be interesting to see if she continues with the Simon verse, as it's called. I definitely think it's fascinating what she's doing as, you know, in terms of like dissecting this really interesting group of high school kids. And I would absolutely read more. So oh, bring I it on. I'd read more. Bring it on, Bex. Bex. We're now on Bex. <laughs> we'll be here, Bex. We're ready for you. Just waiting. Outside of Leon Lofbeat, is there anything else that you've read recently or that you're reading now that you would like to recommend to the SSR listeners? Oh my gosh. So many, I'm sure, right? There are so many books. Also, when I'm in writing book mode, I sometimes get like weird with my readings. I've been reading lots of like kind of scary adult thriller mysteries because I'm trying to figure out how to do a murder mystery. So like it's interesting. One book that I really, really liked and it's nonfiction is I'll Be There For You. It's by Kelsey Miller and it's nonfiction and it's about friends, the friends universe and like talks about, you know, a behind the scenes look at like how everything came to be. It looks at kind of some of the problems in terms of race. It would be a very different show if it was written today, like Fat Monica. Oh, that's one thing we didn't talk about. I loved Leah's like body positivity and it was, it, that was a refreshing thing to see. Yeah, um, totally. In books. I don't know. I, I find it so fun. I loved Friends. I also think now like now that Friends is on Netflix, this whole other generation is having their own relationship with Friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It's just really fun. Like, I love reading about, like, their audition process, how it all came to be. So, like, that's a really fun one. I'll Be There For You by Kelsey Miller. What else have I read recently that I that I really, really liked? I really love, like, what Jeff Setner writes. I think he's very talented. Some parts of this had some shades of, like, The Hate You Give. Like, clearly not exactly that, but, like, with the somewhat racist friend who, you know, someone that you realize, that you think you know, and then you realize that there is something very problematic about them. And, like, are they able to admit their flaws and grow or not? So, like, I mean, The Hate You Give isn't a recent read, but, like, I just love it and everyone should read it when this is airing when this episode on leon offbeat is airing the hit you get episode is coming up next week so everybody stay oh tuned oh my god you guys it's so good it's she's so good i'm psyched about this episode angie i just want to be you Ange, bex yeah. and Ange. bex and Ange. can we all have brunch i'll include links to all those books you mentioned as well as leah on the offbeat in the show notes so that listeners can check them out i personally would totally recommend leah on the offbeat and i am going to check out the friends book that you mentioned laura i'll also include a link to little black dresses little white lies which is laura's book read it it's fun (laughs) totally if you love the show you should absolutely pick up a copy laura i'm so grateful that you made the time to chat with us today thank you so much thank you so much this was so fun and i hope i made some i'm a chatter i'm chatty i love a chatter thank you laura so we go places (laughs) love it i'll talk to you later okay thank you so much Bye. bye Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. 
If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast.